Mike Devetta, he's the lead pastor here, and he's got a great word for us on our eyes, which is the next session in our anatomy series. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, worship team. Thank you for leading us every, every morning. What a special moment this morning, right? Yeah, there's some, I mean, every Sunday is great, but there's just moments sometimes where you just go that, to that, that extra place, and uh, really, really great. I, I want to extend my, my welcome to you if you're visiting here. Uh, thank you. Thank you for coming, uh, spending Sunday with us, and pray that you'd be blessed, that you'd meet some new people, and uh, the answers you're looking for. Um, maybe you're here because you've got questions. Maybe God will answer some of those questions here today. Maybe through what I share, or maybe uh, through a conversation you might have with somebody afterwards. So stick around, have a coffee. I uh, really pray that you'll be blessed here this morning. Well, I want to tell you a story this morning about a man who was trying to buy a birthday gift for his daughter. How many people, guys, struggle to get a, the right gift for their daughter? Uh, I, I know it's, it's hard sometimes, but uh, this man really wanted to get the best gift possible for his daughter. So he, he went out and he was driving uh, one day, it was a few days before the birthday, and he was driving and he sees this man with this beautiful white horse. I mean, it's just amazing. So he stops the car, goes over and says, I've got to have that, that horse. I'll, I'll, I'll give you $500 for it if, if you can have this horse. And, and, and the man kind of, kind of shrugs his shoulders and goes, mm, I don't know. It don't look so good. It's like, oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. So, so he goes back the next day and, and, and he says, I'll give you $1,000. I'll give you $1,000 for this, this horse. The man says, no, no, look, I said yesterday, it don't look so good. I was like, oh, okay. So, so thanks, Brian. This is awesome. I've got to get the joke already. And so he goes back the next day and says, right, I'll give you $2,000. $2,000 if, if, if I can have that horse and I'll take it away today. And, and the, the man finally agrees. So he takes it home, gives it to his daughter. Daughter's so happy. This beautiful white horse hops on the back of this, this horse and knows how to ride a horse. No problem. Gives it a bit of a giddy up. The horse runs straight into a tree. Falls over dead. Tragic story, tragic story. So he goes back. So he goes back to, to the man, and he's, he's incensed. He's like, why did you sell me a blind horse? He says, I tried to tell you, sir. It don't look so good. <laughs> Come on, my message this morning is open your eyes. Open your eyes, and I promise I won't tell any more horrible jokes like that one. We're going to read from a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, verses 19 to 23, it's, it's kind of like three, three statements uh, all saying similar things, and we want to read them together. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Next verse, The, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Would you pray with me this morning as we open our eyes to what God wants us to see? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can come today and just share for a few moments and and, and read your word, Lord, your word that we're told is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. God, I pray that today each of us would see our next step. Lord, that, that we would take a step on the path that you've called us to, that through your word you'd speak to us, that our eyes would be open, that our hearts would be open to hear what you're saying to each of us. 
and maybe collectively as a, as a whole church, Lord, what you're doing in, the, in our midst. We give you honor and glory. Amen. Anyone ever heard the phrase, the eyes are the window to your soul? I think Shakespeare tried to claim it, but Matthew, you know, the, the, the story of, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus in Matthew 6 brought out the thought that the eye is the lamp to the body. When, when you say the words, uh, the eye is the, the window to your soul, what it means is that when you look at somebody, you can look into their eyes and you can see what's going on in their world. You've ever looked into somebody's eyes and, and, and asked them, how are you doing? And their response is the standard cliched answer, good, good and you. And meaning, leave me alone, I don't want to talk about it. But actually, if you were to ask that question, really, no, how are you doing? You've already got your answer because their eyes have given it away. I've seen people say, life is great. And I look into their eyes and I see disappointment. I see discouragement, I see, I see pain, I see, I see deep hurt when I look into their eyes. And, and the eyes do tell us a lot about ourselves. Uh, anyone have a, a mum uh, that was a soul gazer, w- would look into your soul, deep into your soul, and, and ask the questions that you don't want to answer? It was my seventh birthday coming up. Mum had baked these beautiful biscuits. And I think I've shared the story before, but it's too good not to share it again. Seven years old. And mum baked these biscuits with icing on top and pebbles. And I love pebbles. And so that she put them in the, in the tin and said, no one's allowed to touch them until the birthday, right? You laugh, it hurts. You know, you know where this is going. So, so I just took one to start with. And then the next one, and then the next one. And then there's the moment when you open it up, because you're going back again for a multiple time, you go... There's less pebbles than there are the ones without them. And it's like, oh, okay. So mum finds out. She lines us up. There were three of us at that stage. So Joel's, you know, our youngest one, he's, he's out of this one. So, so the three of us lines about oldest, me, and Rachel. Rachel was leading worship this morning. And it wasn't Rachel. It was, it was me. And so, so we're, we're, lining, we're lining up. And, and she says, who, who, took the, who took the pebbles off the biscuits? So these two, are, they're oblivious. Either side of me, they're oblivious. They, they have no idea. They're like, well, it wasn't me. And I'm going, it wasn't me. But apparently I wasn't so convincing. She said, well, whoever it is, better own up soon. And, and she left us. It's like guilt overwhelmed my soul. I, I, couldn't, I don't even know whether I lasted an hour before I went back to my mom. It was me. I'm so sorry. She says, I know. <laughs> Come on, mums. We know, don't we? We can look into the eyes of our children and we can know what's going on in their world. You doing okay? I'm doing fine. No, you're not. The eyes are, are, are the receptors of information, but also the communicator, communicators of information. You know, when we look at this passage, it's, it's really interesting that if we read it out of context about the lamp or the eyes of the lamp of the body, we can, we can just misunderstand what Jesus was talking about. But in this passage, it's actually talking about money. It's talking about generosity. It's talking about a spirit that is generous. So when, when, I, when I look, when people see me, what do they see? Do they see somebody living for themselves or somebody living for others? Do they look into my eyes and they see a heart of generosity, somebody that just wants to live for God and give everything he can for, for others. 
Or do people look at me and they look in my eyes and they, they see somebody who's just trying to guard my own treasure? Let me ask you the question today. Have you got a generous spirit or a stingy spirit? You know, how, how would you measure that? What, what would you say about your spirit, your soul? Do you know somebody who has a generous soul, a generous spirit? We love these people. I love being around those people. They add so much value to me. It's like it's not hard to hang around those people, right? We love being around generous people. So what's significant about our eyes? Well, our eyes are the primary organ for sight. And so we, we see things. It's like the first thing that, that our body gets to experience is normally through our eyes. We see things as they're coming. So we receive information that is then communicated to our brain. Our, bra- our brain then makes decisions as to which things should be activated, what should be you know, moved and, 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 and you know, armed to move, to catch, to respond, or whatever it is. You're driving in a car. You don't turn before you've seen the car that you've got to miss. You see it first. The eyes are a very, very powerful thing. In fact, in Jesus' time, the eyes represented power. So, so it's an aspect of power that, that if I can see something, I have the ability to do something about it. Often when uh, kings were conquered, they would be brought before the, the ruler that's just conquered them. And they'd pluck their eyes out. Disgusting practice. But it was, it was a process of saying, I'm taking away your vision. I'm taking your, away your ability to see. Samson's eyes. In the Old Testament, he had his eyes plucked out. The blind man who came before Jesus in the New Testament, they assumed that he was sinful because he couldn't see, that he was less of a person because he didn't have eyesight. So, so, so our eyes are very, very powerful um, aspects of our body, and it communicates a lot of what's in our heart, but also what we receive in as well. So last week, we did a bit of a, a tongue audit. How many people squeeze a little bit too much toothpaste out of the tube? For those that weren't here, I got somebody, gave them the opportunity to squeeze a whole tube of toothpaste. It's like fulfilling a lifelong dream. And then I encouraged them to put it all back in the tube. Once it's out, once our words are out, they're out. Very hard to get them back in. We've got to choose the words we speak. Well, today we're going to do a little bit of an audit on our eyes. All right, we're going to have a look at our eyes. So a few questions we're going to ask ourselves. First one this morning, are my eyes set on things eternal or earthly? Are my eyes focused on things eternal or earthly? First part of this passage says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy or where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. See, our eyes, we see something and we desire it. Companies spend billions of dollars across the globe on advertising, with the confidence that we will see something and desire it. Come on, I I didn't know I needed a new phone that could take photos with a million pixels because 500,000 wasn't enough or, you know, you know, know, I mean, I'm never going to have a phone big enough, but I'm looking and going, "I, I need something bigger. I need something better. I need a new car. I need that Whopper burger. <laughs> True. You know, you're looking and you're going, I need that Whopper burger. My eyes desire it. I would like one right now. Is there anybody that would be brave enough to confess 
to watching something on television, getting in the car and going out and getting it? Oh, ho, ho, whoo. We desire it. And, and if, our, if our, our eyes are set on earthly things, we'll go chase that. If our eyes are set on eternal things, we'll say, nice try. But no. Imagine the money spent on a Whopper burger a week spent to sponsor a child. That's about the same price. What a difference that could make on an internal perspective for somebody else. Now, I'm not saying if you eat a Whopper burger, you're a bad person, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging what you consume. But if we're driven by the desire of our eyes for things that are earthly, rather than driven by the desire of things that are eternal, then we find ourselves being consumers and being all about ourselves. Adam and Eve, they had everything in front of them. God created Adam and Eve in their image, gave them the garden, said, this is yours, it is all yours. You get everything in this except the two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from those. If you do, you'll die. That should have been enough. That's a good warning. Don't cross the street or you'll get hit by a car and die. That's working for my kids so far, all right? It's, it's, you know, it's enough for them. You know, but we, we've got we've to we've understand that Adam and Eve, they threw it all away because they saw a piece of fruit that looked good to their eyes. They, they gave away eternal for earthly. They gave away something that, that was so much bigger because they wanted that temporary pleasure. Let's not live our lives chasing the earthly rather than the eternal. Let's have a generous spirit that says, actually, I've got enough to give. I'm not going to spend my life on myself. I'm going to spend it on others. I'm going to live my life so big that I'm going to make more and more capacity in my life so that others get to be blessed every time they come around me. Come on, I want to be that type of person, that people walk out of a conversation with me feeling better, feeling encouraged, feeling like they can go to another level in their walk with God. And, and you know, really, that's the kind of people we want to be. I love hanging out, out here on a Sunday. I walk away from a Sunday feeling bigger because I bump into somebody who'll speak life over me, somebody that will encourage me. And I'm always looking for those moments, those opportunities just to grab someone and say, man, you're doing a great job. You're doing awesome. We've got one of our young, young team today stepping up to lead. Harmony. Is Harmony here? Is Harmony here? She's, oh, there she is. Harmony's just stepped up to lead us in the dream team. She's uh, hosting the dream team this morning. Amazing. Amazing. You're awesome. You're awesome, Harmony. You're incredible. Amazing gift on your life. But I love this. Proverbs 11.25. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. There's just a principle. I, I, just, I love this about God. He just does it over and over again. And I watch people who are generous. God just pour more and more into them. It's like they just can't get rid of enough before God gives them more. There's this generosity within them. And I'm not even talking necessarily about money. I'm talking about a spirit of kindness, of friendship, of relationship. I've, I know some people that don't have a lot of money, but they are so rich in relationship. There are so many people that love them and value them and, and just, just really, really appreciate them. You know, we want to be rich and full 
in every aspect of our life so that we can be generous to others, not to hoard it for ourselves, but to bless others. So one question we can ask ourselves, what's one thing in my life that is earthly focused? What am I pursuing that has no heavenly benefit? I could list probably three or four things in my life that are not necessary. Might give me a little bit of fun and enjoyment, but to be honest, that takes my focus from what I should be doing. And to be honest, I've had to do that recently. God really showed me that I was, some of my focus was in all the wrong places. I had to dig up a gift, dig up a gift that actually I should have been investing in. Um, I, I shared at heart and soul that God really challenged me to, to go write this kids' book series that I buried eight, eight, weeks, um, eight years ago. I dug it up three weeks ago. I've employed an illustrator. We're on our way. We're going for it. You know, we, you know, and, and this is because I've got rid of some of the other things that were taking my focus. So that now I can actually be focused on the things God wants me to. Let's take the distractions away from our life so that we would be able to be focused on those heavenly things. Second question we need to ask is, will I choose transparency over secrecy? Will I choose transparency over secrecy? The eye is the lamp of the body, it says. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, there's a constant struggle in this world for identity. This is why I'm writing this book series. Because I'm walking through this journey with my, my 10-year-old, my 7-year-old, and my 4-year-old. Three very different children. Thank you, God, for giving me three different children that I don't understand. But actually, what an incredible gift. Because I'm seeing, I, I, I love one one way, and I love one another way, and I love one another way, and they receive it differently, and they give it differently. And what they're gifted in and what they're passionate about is different to the other. I'm writing a personality or a leadership test for, for my kids, and one of the questions is, you know, in competitive sport, is it important that you win? And Josiah, my, my seven-year-old, goes five. You know, so like one, one to five, five always, one, never. Five. You know, it's just, even before I finish the sentence, it's, it's, it's five. We've got to win. And we did Liverpool, first game of the season. We're underway. Yes. <clears throat> Come on, get in there. I, same question for Rosie. She rolls her eyes at me. Dad, it's a one. Yeah. Just friendships. Just want to make friends. Don't need to win. JJ's like, we've got to win. But, you know, it's okay that that's JJ, and it's okay that that's Rosie. I can't box Rosie into JJ and JJ into Rosie, and our kids are growing up not knowing who they are, not knowing that the way they think and the way their brain ticks and the way their heart is moved to different things is actually okay. We live in a generation where we're trying to present ourselves out on the world stage through Instagram or social media, whatever it is. We, we put up this thing that we hope people will like and give me a heart and a love heart emoji and you know what are we chasing we're chasing popularity over integrity you know our popularity is more important than our integrity you know we're putting ourselves out there saying life is perfect when actually it's not because on the other hand we don't like those posts where people just pour their whole heart out on instagram and facebook either do we we kind of we try to ignore those ones Let's, let's be real because if the gap between our, our public life and our private life gets too big, it's unmanageable. We can't handle 
the difference between that person and that person. We've got to be transparent in the way we live our lives. Charles Spurgeon, a famous preacher, he, he told the truth. And you should listen to some of his sermons. They are powerful. This is what he says from this passage. I read this in one of the commentaries. The motive is the eye of the soul. And if it be clear, the whole character will be right. But if it be polluted, our whole being will become defiled. Very powerful thought there. The trouble is when our private life doesn't line up with our public, we begin to crumble. If we left our own devices, we quickly succumb to the temptations of the world, the negative thoughts. We find the darkness coming in. It becomes who we are. Rather than living a, a life that is free and full of light, we start to allow the darkness to become the, the dominant part of our life. Spurgeon goes on and he says, A man should live up to his light. But if that light itself is darkness, what a mistake his whole course would be. So what he's saying is if, if, if we think it's light, but it's actually darkness, if it's not the pure light of God, if it's, if it's not really God, but we're trying to make it to be God, we're in a world of trouble. He goes on and says, if our religion leads us to sin, it is worse than irreligion. If our faith is presumption, our zeal, selfishness, our prayer, formality, going through the motions, our hope, a delusion, our experience, infatuation, turning up and go, oh, that felt good. But it was no more than that. The darkness is so great that even our Lord holds up his hands in astonishment and says, how great is that darkness. Oh, for a single eye to God's glory, a sincere consecration unto the Lord. This alone can fill my soul with light. I want my life to be filled with the light of Christ. In this passage, Jesus talks about healthy eyes. The King James Version, I, I love the old, old English of the King James Version. If thine eye be single, if thine eye be single, the word refers to having single vision or being single focused as opposed to being double visioned or seeing two visions. I want you to do something for me. Give me a thumbs up right now. You can give me a thumbs up. Play the game. Come on. Get involved. All right. I want you to look at your thumb while you're looking at me. And I want you to focus on me and the thumb. How many, people, how many people can see me clearly and your thumb clearly? If you can, you probably need to see an eye doctor because there's something wrong. <laughs> you can put your thumbs down. I appreciate you commenting and liking my message. See what I did there? But you know what? If this is all I'm seeing, talk about the earthly, I'm going to stumble all over myself. But if I see an eternal, if I see something bigger, the perspective becomes a whole lot better, doesn't it? Otherwise, I get so internally focused on myself. I don't want to have to reconcile that and that. I would rather it be one, single vision. The single comes from the word, uh, the Greek word haplos, H-A-P-L-O-U-S, which means clear, sincere, open, and above board, honest, with no hidden agendas, I like this part, without folds, without folds. Ever kind of folded something over to hide something? Someone walks into the room, quickly fold it over. Like when our kids are supposed to be in bed and we're eating snacks, watching TV. Come on, come on, how many parents have done that one before? You put it under the fold of, you know, it's like, oh, there goes the blanket, hide the snacks. Dad, I can smell lollies. I can smell lollies on your breath. 
Busted, busted. Come on, we don't want to be living high in, in, amongst the folds. We want to be a, there wants to be a transparency. You know, if, if you're not in a small group, if you don't have people in your world that are going to ask you some tough questions, chances are you're going to be struggling in the darkness with some of those folds. That's why small groups, I will not stop talking about small groups. It's like, here he goes again. I'll keep talking about it every single time I get up here because small groups are what makes a difference. That's where we start to find freedom in our lives. And if we're not connected, if there aren't at least a half a dozen people in our world that know our stuff, that darkness will overwhelm us. I'll tell you what, the moment you share it, the moment you share your struggle with somebody else, that pain, that that struggle, that bondage, I reckon it's hard. I, I reckon when somebody else knows that you're struggling with something, everything changes. We had our small group last week and uh, we've got a, it's a kind of a family small group, and we've got a range of ages from teenagers right down to not even walking yet. So, so we've got a little baby crawling on their tummy and a teenager. And so we've got a wide range of parenting experience and knowledge. And it was a hilarious conversation. I asked one question, which uh, opened up some great conversation. What's the biggest thing you're struggling with parenting at the moment? Wow, out it came. It was, it was some amazing stuff. Great stuff is like, Teenagers, really? That's what you're struggling with now? I have a 10-year-old. Please pray for us. But, but you know what? We, we, we glean some, some wisdom. We, we learned. We prayed for each other. What was really funny, the, the funniest part of it was that twice, one of our kids, my, my own and, and one of the others, walked through the room. They were just going from from the kitchen into the rumpus room, and they walk go. That wasn't what happened. Actually, what happened was, <laughs> oh, the truth of a child, they call it as it is, right? The devil wants to keep us locked up in darkness. Greatest thing he can do is not get us to share our stuff with somebody. God, would you open our eyes to see your glory? Would our eyes be filled with your light? That is transparent in our lives. It's just like, oh, I know who you are. I can see you've got some struggles. That's cool. All good. It's okay. It's okay that you're wrestling with something. It's okay that you are not well in a particular area. That's actually okay. I know a God who can change that. But unless we have a conversation, unless you're real and you're honest and I'm real and honest with you, we might be finding ourselves in that place of darkness for some time. The Bible's really clear. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you will be healed. We find our healing through the prayer of another person. Come on, if you're not in a small group, I challenge you again, get involved. But maybe in your small group, you've been sitting there for some time. You've been in a small group. Yep, Mike said I'd be in a small group. Yeah, but you haven't shared yet. You haven't actually come open. You haven't actually said, you know, this is, I'm, I'm really struggling with my anger at the moment. I'm actually struggling in my relationship with my boss at work. You know, let's have those conversations. They're really, really important. So let's be generous with our, with our, our, our love and our care for people. The third question we've got to ask as the team come this morning is, will I serve God or money? It's the third part of this passage. Will I serve God or money? Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
See, our eyes can fool us. Our eyes can look upon something and think that that's what we want and that's what we need. Um, we can look at somebody else's job and wish we had that. We can, we can look at somebody else's lifestyle and wish we had that. And, and our focus becomes that. Now, I, I like money. Money can do incredible things. Money can buy things. Money can change lives. Money can get people out of darkness and out of bondage. Money can build incredible businesses that can employ thousands of families. Nothing wrong with money. But if I'm waking to every day thinking, how can I get more money just so I can get more money, then my focus is wrong. If I'm going, I want that promotion, why? So I can get more money, so I can get more stuff. It's like, oh, I think I've missed it. Let's not miss the heart of serving God. Here's what I've found. The more and more people serve, the more and more people lay down their lives for others, the more and more God goes, here you go. I was talking with a young guy at the end of the first service about, about four months ago. He came to me and he said, I kind of got this dilemma. My job isn't paying me what I think I'm worth. I've been offered a job with a whole lot more money. What do I do? I said, well, have you prayed about it? He says, yes, I have. I said, I haven't stopped praying about it. I said, well, you're on the right track. You started well. I said, well, what's your heart telling you? saying, stay. He said, so stay. So stay. I said, and go and be honest to your boss. Go and tell him. Go and tell him that, that you think you're worth that, if that's what you think you are. He did. He got a pay rise. Stayed in his job. Guess who's getting sent to Queenstown for professional development tomorrow? How cool is that? You know, just a casual trip to Queenstown. Who wouldn't mind going to Queenstown right now? And this is a guy that at 22 could have jumped ship to get more dollars, but God told him to stay, to serve under that vision. I said, you have a generous spirit in you. There is something in you. God is going to keep pouring into you. You will keep getting everything you need and more, and you will be a blessing. He says, I just want to be generous with what I've got. I said, you're doing it already. How exciting is that? That's the kind of life I want to live. I want to live a life that is so generous that everything that comes to me is just like, God, it's not even mine. I, I, I'm just going to bl bless a bunch of other people. I'm going to do everything I can to live a generous spirit. So when people look me in the eyes, I, I, it's who I am. You don't look at me and go, mm, yeah, you're kind of saying one thing, but you're, I'm not believing you. I want to be that person that's fully transparent. Someone serving God, not money. Let me ask, is there any part of your life where money has become more important than God? What could you do to shift your focus back to serving God? As we close this morning, I, I want to pray for, for anybody that maybe in this message, you've, you've really felt like God's just saying, actually, there's some things that I'm seeing or, or my eyes are desiring that I know I actually aren't of God's heart. I want to pray for you. Let me hear bowed, eye closed. If that's you and you, you just something in this message has really just impacted you about your focus, about what you're seeing, would you just put your hands on your eyes? Just say, yep, I recognize that. God, I thank you that you've given us our eyes to see what you want to see. Lord, the greatest treasure that you carry in your heart is people. And Lord, would you help us to be 
people that would see others. We would see people. We would see the need. We would see what you need us to do. Lord, let us be generous with our, with our wealth, with our resource. Be generous with our time. Be generous with our friendship. Even those moments where maybe we don't feel like being generous to someone, God, would we do it anyway? Lord, let us never question an act of generosity. Dismiss it. Because, Lord, it's always going to be right. It's always going to be the right thing to do when you've prompted it. So, Lord, speak to us, I pray, about our eyes that we would see. We would see you. We would see the light of God come out of us, that people would see you in us. We honor you. We give you praise. And you might be here today, too, and you actually don't have a relationship with God. And you say, if, if I'm honest, if my life ended tonight, I don't know whether I would be confident of my salvation in God, my relationship with Him. Can I tell you God loves you? Loves you so much. It's such an incredible plan for your life. The plan starts with relationship. The trouble is our relationship is broken. It's fractured because of sin, which entered in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they chose that rather than relationship with God. But God in His incredible grace said, I've got a plan. I'm going to send my son Jesus. He's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to sacrifice his life so that you could have life. He's going to die on a cross to pay for a price that I should have been paid for my sin. And today, that offer of salvation is for anyone who would have faith, who would say, I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead, and you're alive today. For anyone that would confess that Jesus is Lord, that prayer is for you. We're going to pray a prayer right now. And if that's you and you need to pray this prayer, maybe for the very first time, or maybe you've been away from God and God's saying, come home. Today's your day. Today is your homecoming. Would you pray this prayer as well? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I turn from my old way of living and choose to follow you. Thank you for your gift of grace. I receive it today. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, maybe you're coming back to God. I want you to do one more brave thing for me. As, a, as an act of faith, a step of faith, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you prayed that prayer for the first time or coming back to God. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. Just going to acknowledge your hand and then you can pop back down again. We want to help you take your next step with God. So today, if you pray that prayer for the first time, we're coming back to Him. One, God loves you. Two, He's got a plan for your life. Three, why don't you raise your hand this morning? Say yes. Praying that prayer for the first time, coming back to God. Anyone here this morning? Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Help us to see as you would want us to see. Help us to live a generous life. Lord, that everything we have would be for the blessing and the benefit of others. Lord, that we pour out our lives, our heart. We pour out our finances, our resource, into seeing your kingdom built. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Pete. What a great word this morning. So good. And 
just on just on a practical note, maybe God's been speaking to you through the message and and you have a feeling that there's a there's a next step for you. There's something that He has asked you to do. Let me encourage you just to take out a pen right now, write it down on a bit of paper, and maybe even your message notes. And first thing tomorrow morning, schedule it for this week. You know, when God gives us stuff to do, I think it's really wise just to pull out our diaries.